Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back, and it is May the 7th. We're going to pick up where we left off yesterday. We're on part three of Principles of Success for a Lifetime, and this has been one of those topics that um, we're getting a lot of positive feedback on, Yes, and it is interesting this time of year, Julie, and I think you'll probably agree. A lot of people didn't have much of a reprieve from being busy through the holidays. That is for sure. Yep, and so what happened is they went from a busy last year and they rolled into a busy this year and they didn't really have but maybe a week or two to kind of catch their breath. And now the business and the market is crazier than it's ever been and it just feels like there's no end in sight. That's true. And there was no logical holiday slowdown except for Mm -mm. maybe between Christmas and New Year's and maybe a couple of snowstorms in the beginning of the year. Other than that, there was no like ramp up to a spring market. It seems like the spring market started about January 3rd. Exactly. Or really effectively, it started basically last November. I yeah. mean, the, it's it's really amazing. I, You know, Julie and I were talking this morning and we've been talking to a lot of people, reading a lot of things and, you know, listening to a lot of podcasts. Uh, we're trying to educate ourselves on what the heck is going on overall in the economy. And we're not going to talk about this in the podcast because obviously we're going to talk about these Napoleon Hill points and we're picking up on success Uh, principle number seven today. But what we're experiencing now can only be described as, I mean, obviously it's inflation, but the inflation, uh, what we're seeing, and it's seething, it's it's slipping slipping into every uh, corner of the economy. And, um, you know, like I'm trying to get information as far as, okay, what does inflation really mean? I can get that, I can intellectually understand. How does that affect uh, consumer prices? I, I can understand that. But what happens? Like, where does it go? Like, so inflation is the increasing cost of everything. Um, and what we're going to see typically, or at least I think traditionally, you'll see a, a inflation being as a result of essentially some mismanagement of maybe for uh, the, um, you know, maybe there's too much, the Fed printed too much money or something of that nature, right? There's all these sort of mechanical reasons why the people that are a lot smarter about this topic than, uh, than Julie and I will, will blame. But now what we're seeing are a whole bunch of other factors that are um, essentially forcing inflation to be topic de jour. We're seeing a, a huge demographic shift that's causing a lot of people to want to buy houses, and not just houses, but everything else. We're seeing the ramifications of the supply chain being really screwed up as a result of COVID. And we were just, Julie and I were just talking about this with regards to, like, even if you had a whole bunch of money that you wanted to spend, good luck finding some place to spend it on a house or really anything else, because there's there's a scarcity of things. Now, I think, like, for example, I was reading an article about cars, and there's a car chips. I know nothing about what I'm talking about. I'll just tell you what I read. So evidently, you know, cars have a ton of uh, computer chips in them, and the computer chip manufacturers stopped making computer chips um, back when COVID hit because they figured there'd be a big drop off in car sales. Well, turns out the exact opposite was true, and they've never been able to catch up with the supply, which means that a lot of times when you go to a car dealership, there are no cars for sale, and you're not getting a deal. And that's I, again, that's not just I'm using little, these little. Um, 
uh, I think these little different examples, but you're seeing it in food prices. We talked about that yesterday. Kitchen appliances. Kitchen appliances, right. Julie read it. Tell them about the article you read on uh, building supplies. (laughs) Well, you know, we've all been watching lumber. And the first report was about 60 days ago. Oh, my gosh, lumber's doubled in price for builders. You know, this is one of the reasons we don't have new construction being, uh, you know, going up as quickly as we need it to meet the, the demand. So that was a story, and then another 30 days passes, and it's tripled. And as of today, it's actually quadrupled in price, the cost of lumber, um, year over year. And so when will that end? Well, it's not just that. This article talked about interviewing the lumber mills, and they said, well, the orders that they have today are for trees that have not even been cut, much less processed. And then they went on to say, even if they were processed, there's not enough shipment containers and, you know, like... uh, train shipping containers and trucks and ways to get them across the country to where they belong to meet the orders. So even if it was already processed, they can't deliver it as quickly as the demand is calling for. So we had someone, um, so there's uh, M0, M1, and M2 money supply. And just a long story short is that the a lot of people who are not necessarily saying there's going to be a big runaway inflation train are saying that, well, it's because the M2 money supply is not, um, it, they're watching those particular numbers. And just to, in layman's terms, um, the way to think of it is, are people spending money? And they're not. People are sitting on money. And so there's two reasons people sit on money. One, because they're not optimistic about the future. Or two, they don't have anything to spend the money on. Now, what we're seeing as a combination of all of that happening at the same time, but here's going to be the, the wild cards that no one can quite wrap, wrap their minds around, is that you're having an insane, incredible amount of money that's being printed right now in the forum of just all these different programs coming out of Washington, D.C. I heard the total value of the most recent, uh, or really cost, of the most recent surge of money printing was $10 trillion. Now, that money is going to make its way into different things, but it makes its way into the economy. Maybe it goes to building bridges, but the result the result is, is a lot of the people that are getting paid for building the bridges from you know manufacturers of supplies all the way to the guys you know turning the big bolts, all of them are going to have money and they're all going to spend the money. So the money all kind of sleeps, sips back into the economy and you know the guy turning the bolts is going to go buy a new truck. Well, it turns out there's not a new, enough new trucks to buy. And then he's going to say, well, I, I need a new truck. So he's going to go buy a used truck. And then here's another little interesting anecdote. The prices of used cars have never increased like they have universally for almost all manufacturers ever in the history of uh, cars like it has now. Year over year uh, increase, I, I don't want to say appreciation, but we'll say appreciation or inflation in real estate, is 17.2%. So all these things really point to one thing. We are at the foothills of something that's going to be historical with regards to inflation. And Julie and I are studying and trying to understand, well, okay, we know what that means. Prices get more expensive. Consumer products get more expensive. Everything's going to require more dollars to purchase, right? But then what happens, where does that lead to? And there are no, some people say hyperinflation. Some people say they don't, most people say, well, it's going to be the collapse of the U.S. currency. Or other people say, well, it's going to work its way through the economy and then somehow it's all going to be okay. I don't know. You don't know. And I t- I'll tell you what, anybody that says they do know, or they're kind of making it up. Because there's the, no historical precedent. There isn't. Not, not really. And that's why no. you're not getting definitive reports and predictions. My question with regards to housing, and the only the only thing that I see perhaps changing the inventory situation, which of course affects the prices, is the end of the um, 
eviction moratoriums and foreclosure moratoriums and stuff like that. And some people are saying we're going to get a little bit more inventory there. But even so, aren't we waiting for supply and demand to match? Like what happens when 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 that's there? Maybe we wake up and there's even five or 10 percent more inventory. It's just going to burn off quickly, wouldn't you think? Considering the oh, yeah. massive disparity between supply and demand. So my question with regards to inflation is, uh, if that happens, and you can look at your different segments of goods and services and different things, but let's say just talking about housing, you know, people are wanting to say, oh, it's going to crash, it's going to be a housing recession, and yet we really have no reason to believe that. Would What would you say about that? Would you say it would well, first because, level off and well, prices wouldn't go crazy anymore? Well, so think about this, though. Why are people saying that? Why are people expecting to be a housing crash? Why are, why is well, I think they want there to be one, so there's more inventory. Why is why is everything a bubble? Everything's not a bubble just because yeah, it increases exactly. in price, okay? And this is not just like last time either in any way. When everything's increasing universally in price, like if it was just one particular thing, like I'll use a cryptocurrency. You could argue cryptocurrency is in some kind of runaway, you know, tulip mania, um, some sort of, uh, you know, situation where it's basically going to be like the housing, uh, you know, bubble and crash, right? You could argue that I think crypto's on that path. Who knows when? You know, maybe not even. Who knows, right? But the reality of it is, is that there's not, if for everyone wants to argue that there's a bubble and bubbles pop, that's not always true. Sometimes things just inflate in value or appreciate in value, and they don't lose that value. They just, that's, they the, new, there. that's the new price point. And so that's one of the things I'm trying to wrap my mind around is, are we just at a new plateau for what things cost now? Were things artificially priced lower before for a whole variety of reasons? And now all these things are catching up and things are revaluing to where they, may, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Well, but the market determines what they're willing to pay, right? So that could be yeah. true is that it's a simple fact that that's what things cost now. Right. And as long as people are willing to pay what they're being charged, the you know, the economy goes on. I don't think there's very many people right now that are purchasing real estate because they're doing it purely on speculation. No, I, I don't think, think so either. I think most people are buying houses for to be end users, to live in the houses, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're asking me what would be the, the you know, why won't there be a housing uh, crash? Mm -hmm. Because everything would have to crash. Because yeah. everything is inflating now at, like, if you look back, Jules, two years ago when we started talking about inflation on this podcast, mm -hmm. you were seeing, we were seeing inflation in some housing markets. We were seeing inflation in other things. Yes. But not really like everything. Not across the board. Right. Now you're seeing it in everything. And just a little yeah. funny story. I had a coaching client was, we were talking about this very topic. Um, and he was telling me that the dog groomer basically doubled the cost of grooming his dog. Right. And it was we were kind of joking. So what the hell could cost possibly would necessitate doubling the cost of grooming his dog? My joke was, well, maybe the dog's just a jerk and the guy doesn't want to work. Maybe it's just clean. his dog. Yeah, maybe it's just his dog. But <laughs> yeah. it wasn't. Everything got doubled in price. Well, maybe that groomer's got higher energy costs. Maybe that groomer's got higher labor costs. Maybe he's got higher shampoo. Exactly. Who knows? And so universally, all of his costs have gone up. Up versus just say, for example, had maybe his you know advertising costs gone up. So as everything raises in price, where you have a problem is is if people's uh, income doesn't keep up with how expensive things are. So we're not seeing a lot of inflation in wages yet, but that will happen. Now again, I'm going to add some more complexity to this because again, there's all these variables that's never happened before. So you're going to also see rising taxes. You're going to see rising property taxes. So you're seeing rising property taxes, rising expenses across the board. And those people with assets are going to see and are seeing an enormous amount of increase in their paper net worth. So if you have a house, your house has probably gone up 17.2% in the last sure. year. 
if you've got a lot of different sorts of things that are stores of value, not just, I mean, not like a depreciating cell phone or, uh, you know, TV, but maybe you've got some other things. Well, a used car that's in good shape. Well, a used maybe car that's, that's in good up. shape or, or, you know, who knows what? I mean, mm -hmm. it could just be all a variety of things. You know, you and I, I'll never, I won't forget this. It was last, when was it that we went, went into the jewelry store? Because I wanted to buy you something for mm -hmm. your birthday. It was in March. What, and this was in when we were in Atlanta, right? Mm -hmm. And was this last March or the March before? It was March. This was actually uh, January of this year. Oh, January of this Getting year. Ready for okay. March. Yeah. So we, that's right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So we walked into the store in, in Atlanta. And there they the, and it was a huge store. Watches, everything was nice sold out. Nice area of town. Good shopping area. Yeah. yeah everything was sold out. It, like I mean, sold out like nothing in the cases sold out. Right. And I asked, well, what's going on here? Are you guys worried about, you know, I thought maybe they're worried about riots and being looted. And they said, nope, everything's just sold. They had virtually no watches. I mean, think you, about you that. You know, you could order something, but you were going to wait because two years. they weren't around. Yeah. If you yeah. wanted to order something yeah. now, there's a two-year wait. So mm -hmm. anyway, the, the moral of the story here, guys, is we're... All of us, <laughs> whether we like it or not, are in historical times with regards to the economy. So where do you go with all this? And I'll, I'll tell you what we're doing with our own lives uh, personally and what we're doing and what we always do. Frankly, we're not really changing our modus of operandi, but we're really buckling down and focusing on, on the things that we're um, the best at. We're focusing on the things that we know work. We're not going to be overly risk-taking with regards to anything because we don't know and uncertainty does make for you know essentially you don't want to overly speculate and uh, once we feel a little bit more certain what's going to happen is and where the opportunities are then we might start you know investing and feeling a little bit uh, less risk averse and uh, so where can you be investing is it really on your skill set that's really the bottom line the one thing that you can't lose is, is really ultimately what you know and if you can lose your marketing you can lose your lead buying you can lose all that stuff and the agents that are not beholden to buying leads and buying their business are the ones that are going to do incredibly well during a changing economic period. But do understand that we're all going into this really weird, strange time in history, which inevitably will be studied for hundreds, if not thousands of years, you know, with the time following the pandemic, it'll be very, very fascinating. I expect a lot of Netflix specials to be made on the back of this oh, period. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, one unintended consequence, which is good for our real estate oriented sales agents and brokers is that unlike probably almost all of your clients, your wages are going up by happenstance. It's yeah. called, it's rising right along with that 17.2%. Well, if you're on the listing side. If you're on the listing side. Now, if you're on the buyer side, you're much more at risk. You might be down to zero on some cases. That's okay? right. So with, with regards to investing in yourself, fortunately in your line of work, you are going to be paid back handsomely because yep. your wages do go up. Right along with the, with the, whether you want to call it appreciation or inflation, it's going up, unlike most of the people you work with. Well, I'll tell you, since we're going to reel yeah. this in, obviously, yeah. and focus on real estate, the um, it's people I've gotten this question quite a bit, or iterations of it, right? I don't feel comfortable telling buyers to buy houses now because it's. Uh, I feel like we're at the top of the market. What the hell do you know? Hmm. I mean, honestly, when you have that question, why would you think that? Based on what? based on your lifetime experience selling houses because you've seen markets go up and down and whatever, the only time you saw a market go down was the housing bubble. This is not the housing bubble. There are not a bunch of risky ninja loans out there with people with no equity. 
They're not a bunch of people that are gambling on real estate. These are end There's users. There's a lot of adjustable rate mortgages that are set to reset either. Yes, exactly. And remember, most people are buying a house right now because they want a place to live. And when you have, they're like no adjustable rate mortgages, except in the really yeah. high end. And not only that, but almost 60% of new mortgages are putting more than 20% down. Yep. That's or, totally different. Or cash. Different. So you're looking yeah. at the buyers that you're working with right now are actually, in some cases, the, even if they might be buying, paying over what uh, you know the past maybe comps are for the past 60 to 90 days, buying now is probably going to be one of the smartest things they've ever done, assuming they're taking, if you know, I'm not who knows about paying cash versus uh, taking out a loan. But when mortgage rates are this low and they can lock them in long-term 30-year fixed rate mortgage. So I want you guys to follow me on this, okay? The average sale price of a house, let's say is 350 grand. If you can borrow that money, uh, let's say you put down 20%, and let's say you have roughly a you know $300,000 mortgage. I don't know what the current rates are. I haven't looked today. I don't know really what the payment would be, but I'm guessing probably less than three grand in most, in most markets. Now, if you're, that means you're going to pay $36,000 a year for your housing expense, not including you know the normal expenses of owning a home. But if you're in, it might even be less than that. But if you're seeing a inflation of your house year over year of 17.2%, the inflation or the the uh, the cost of the house, the value of the home, has gone up more than the cost of the interest you've paid on the loan. In other words, you have lived there effectively for free or just riding the inflation wave. You may have actually made money on the house. Because just... your equity is outpacing your payment. Exactly. Because the inflation, or as agents love to, they never say inflation, they'll say appreciation. So we'll just use that word even though it's not. So the appreciation on the house has essentially, it's appreciated more than the cost of the borrowing of the borrowed uh, dollars. That's extraordinary. You know, I can't think of it. There have been there have been markets around the country that have been like that. Not very many, but it's certainly not some, been something that's universally true. Remember, seventeen two point two percent appreciation on average for all American homes in America, in the, uh, year over year, April to April. Incredible. And by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be at least seventeen point three. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> I, I, we t we kind of made fun of this too because you and I were doing our predictions for the beginning of this year, and we didn't really predict a specific rate of appreciation, but we didn't see anything from any of our coaching clients that would lead us to believe that the market was going to slow down. Nothing, and it didn't. And all these other prognosticators, who are basically mostly economists, were all expecting mm -hmm. the rate of appreciation to be less than like five percent. Every single one of them was wrong. Mm -hmm. And they're going to continue to be wrong yep. because there are no historical comps or precedents for what we're experiencing right now in the economy. No. And this is why, you know, in our um, coaching sessions on Facebook Live for our premier coaching mastermind that we do daily, this is why one of the things that we're quite adamant about coaching them to do is to really watch your own very hyper local personal hot sheet every day because that's how you're going to be able to tell. You know, we used to see price reduction lists, right? Now we're seeing price increases. Builders are increasing prices. Some of the sellers are increasing prices. I call it the what's hot and what's not. And that's where you'll start to see a little crack. You'll start to see maybe a little bit longer days on the market, maybe a little bit more inventory. But right now we're not seeing any of that. We're just seeing price increases. We're seeing less inventory, not more. But you will see it if you watch it daily. Yeah, you absolutely will. And uh, look, guys, um, don't fight it. Don't use your... Uh, you're, if you were in real estate back when the market crashed, don't start applying that, essentially, yeah. those filters to what's going on now. That we're in a totally and completely different world. Maybe we're living in some sort of parallel universe where none of the rules apply. Yeah. But that is how it's going to feel for quite some time, especially with all this money that's being pumped into the economy. Yeah, there is no this time is just like last time. It feels like that. And to the you know people that really haven't studied the fact that 
it's not just like last time. The fact that prices are going up quickly, you know, they, it just kind of feels bubbly to them. And then they put this prediction out there. That's not actually based on anything. We've done entire podcast series to make it very clear to you about that. And we're going to update that in the next week or two and give you even more talking points. Because I know that a lot of our listeners, Tim, they get it but they're getting that question from some of their prospects. I'm not so sure that's actually, I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think- I think it's just nervousness. It about, is just nervousness. About having to it, do what like, they have I to read do. a survey or something was talking about like the number one reason buyers take themselves out of the market is because they don't want to compete. I'm sorry, you're not a real, you're not a buyer. Not if, if you, you're it, not motivated it, enough to do what you have to do. Exactly, so if yeah. you if you have to, maybe we should be adding a question to our buyer pre-qualification script we give our coaching clients. Yes. If you have to compete with five other offers- and We go, are. Okay, we are, we are we're adding we're on top that. Of that. Yeah, because if they say no, I'm, I'm, I don't want to feel like it doesn't make me uncomfortable. Well, you're not a real buyer. Right. These are the three or four things that you are probably going to be asked to do in order to win what you actually say that you want to win. Of these things, which ones are you most or least comfortable with? Because it's not the right time for everyone. And to allow them to make that decision, to give permission to certain buyers to step away for a while. And that's okay. Because when you generate lots of business, you don't have to tolerate, you know, people that maybe can't step up to the plate. In our, and some of our, and some of our, we have coaching clients in all 50 states and four different countries. And what we're hearing from the agents that are in the hottest markets around the country is that no buyer or no seller is accepting a financed offer. That if you're not coming in, and these are, you know, in all, all price ranges, it doesn't matter. So if you're coming in and you're not all cash, the, you are, you, they might look at your offer, but if you're going to be bumped for an all cash offer, even if the all cash offer in, in that all cash offer, uh, it doesn't get a discount on the price. They're not, they don't have That's any added leverage in the deal just because they're all cash. They don't have any leverage on the deal just because they can close faster. It's just basically the seller's looking to mitigate their own risk. And if you have to finance it, and this is the fear that the seller has, I was, you know, again, I talked with someone um, the other day. And it was a property that he was going to list for $900,000. And the property was probably going to end up selling for, and the, the best comp was for something like $1 million or something. Mm-hmm. And I even remember, hopefully he's listening, uh, it's in, he was in Joshua Tree. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, remember that part of mm-hmm. California where nobody, he, it's, the hottest mar- it's the hottest VRBO market in the world right now. That's it's incredible. Joshua Tree, right. And there's more wow. development happening up. And this is the high desert in California. So anyway, he was about to list this. He was about to list a property that he said was the number one VRBO in uh, Joshua Tree, and it rents out for something like twelve hundred dollars a night. Wow. Okay, so I'm surprised I remembered all those details. But anyway, long story short, hmm. um, he was anticipating the house to sell. Um, he had a buyer that was interested. If I said listing, I apologize, I was wrong. So he had a buyer that was interested in it. The buyer would only go to one point one million, and I and I said, well, what if the what if you know, given the cash flow on this thing, it could easily sell for one point three million. So what's the buyer going to do? And he said, well, the buyer says that he's got a hard stop at one point one. That's not a real buyer in a market like this. Yeah. Right. And and why? Why won't the buyer go more if the house cash flows? It's because here's the reason. Ready for it, listeners? Because the lender wants them to put down 20 percent and the guy only has a 20 percent uh, in cash to cover a one point two million dollar loan. Up the difference. He can't make up the difference. And so that's the that what we're seeing happen in the marketplace right now are a lot of essentially houses that are selling for what they would be hypothetically worth in the future. They're not leaving any um, they're not using any previously sold comps. And, and, and the thing is, with cash buyers that you're competing against, cash buyers don't have to worry about appraisals. So right. that ends up being a comp, and you know we're off to the races on the next one. So it's interesting. But that's that's an example of sometimes buyers are literally tapped out at what well, they're able to do. And so what I would advise, I mean, obviously be the listing agent, because the listing agent wins every time. 
But for somebody like that, maybe the, the idea is to be looking for something $150,000 less so that if he there has to go anything. up, and, yeah. he, and so he's out. Right, he's, he's out. out. That's, and that's the nature of what's going to be happening in the marketplace. Yeah. We don't, Jules and I, from our, um, you know, we have this nice little perch that kind of looks over so many different markets. We see zero headwinds right now. Yeah, I would agree with like that. Like less than zero, no headwinds. None of the n- normal early warning signs of any kind of market adjustment. You guys will know better than us if you know how to use your MLS. If there are any, please let us know. But right now the market's hot and it's just going to get hotter. It just totally is. I totally agree with that. So you've got to decide what part of that you're going to participate in. And I would highly recommend, as I do with all of our coaching uh, sessions, that you be the listing agent. If you're not the listing agent, you're in the buyer's agent, uh, and you know that's your primary source of income, these are going to be some lean times for you. You know, they just are. So let's, Julie, let's focus on, um, first of all, I want to remind all of you guys, if you've not yet downloaded your 2021 business plan yet, just text 2021 to 47372. And when you do that, we're going to give you the real estate treasure map, which is your fill in the blank business and life plan. But we're also going to give you, wait for it, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. And it's what we call Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, where we took Napoleon Hill's public domain book, and then we added a lot of real estate content. So if you've not done this yet, definitely text 2021 to 47372. You can do that right now on your phone while you're listening to Julie and I. Just text 2021 to 47372 and we will text you back a link to download both of those books. Oh, and by the way, four other books as well. So go ahead and do it while you're thinking about it. Text 2021 to 47372. All right, Julie, let's go through at least uh, principle of success number seven. Yes, so and my mini points didn't copy on that one for some reason, but we know all about this. Principle of success number seven. Remember, this is from Napoleon Hill's 17 Principles of Success, the lesser known book. You guys all know Think and Grow Rich. This is from 17 Principles of Success. Success principle number seven, cultivating a positive mental attitude. Now, he does refer to that also in Think and Grow Rich, and he starts literally referring to it as watch your PMA, your positive mental attitude, your mindset is the only thing you have complete control of. A positive mental attitude attracts opportunities for success. So you can apply that thought to virtually everything you do all day long in your personal life, your business life. Do you have a positive mental attitude about that? I see this with the questions that we get in our uh, Facebook Live, Tim, where sometimes they'll kind of have a precursor to Uh, almost like judging a situation or making up a situation or having an expectation that it's not going to go their way versus having a positive mental attitude. Do you believe that you're going to be able to be successful in what you're dealing with? Or have you already trashed it and decided, well, we'll see how it goes? Well, you know, as I was just reflecting back on what we were just talking about as you were reading this Mm -hmm. point, it is very easy not to have a positive mental attitude about what's happening right now in the economy. And the reason is, is because humans hate uncertainty. Uncertainty makes people scared. When people are scared, they do nothing. They don't take action. They go into a state of inaction. It's a good time to remind all of you that the greatest fortunes of humanity, of all men and women, have always been made during the greatest times of change. So if we are indeed one of these, during one of these greatest times of change, which we absolutely are, understand that the opportunity will not be found if you're living under your staircase. It won't be found in living in fear. It won't be found in inaction. It's going to be found in embracing the fact that you know that there is more opportunity to be made during a time of change because of the time of change. And I'll give you the suggestion that the reason that's true is because 
Uh, most people are going to follow their lizard brains into a, the nearest hole and wait for all the uncertainty to pass so they can go back into more certain times. And that's going to be the people that will look back. How many people look back on the housing, uh, you know, say from 2007 through 2009 and wish they'd been buying real estate? How many people look back upon, you know, rises and just different opportunities, but because everyone else was scared, they were scared too, and they missed the opportunity. One of the best things to be in life is a contrarian. So when everyone else is running for the exit, maybe you look around and you say, well, you know what, this is a good place for me to, you know, plant my uh, flag and, and just stick it out. And now there's two ways of, you know, I'm not going to confuse any of you hopefully with saying this, but there's a, there's a difference between what I just said and this next thing I'm about to share with you. This, when the going gets tough, the smart often will leave. And that is not that I know that's contrarian advice, but I want you to think it through. And, and this pertains specifically to what you're doing in your business to generate leads. When you find your lead generation has become more difficult, don't double down, triple down, quadruple down trying to make it work. Because if it's not working during the best of times, I promise you it will not work when things get tighter. It will not work when there's more inflation. When, you're, when they raise your ad prices, when they start charging you more referral fees, and you're already having a reduction in your commission on the buyer agent side, what are you going to do? Just double down? That's and what they will. I, I absolutely see that coming. Yeah. So just remember, yeah. you're, you need to be opportunistic when other people are fearful. You need to be a contrarian with the way you approach life. And it is going to be hard as hell to be that way during a time that we're about to go through because everybody else is going to be so full of uncertainty, even the people that we have leaned into in the past for advice. And, and I mean, Julie and I are looking for, uh, you're, we're, we're looking for uh, opportunities to learn from other people as well. I mean, we were um, talking with a, a friend of ours yesterday who is incredibly successful. He made a lot of money in hedge funds and we are having this virtually the same conversation with him. And he gave me the most honest answer that, you know, when I asked where would be the smartest place to invest right now. And he said, said, I don't know. And he's a really smart dude. <laughs> yeah. And he's really yeah. smart, very, very successful dude. And he said he doesn't know. And yeah. you know what? That's very similar to other conversations that we've been blessed to have with some of these other folks that live where we live who are equally, if not more successful than him. They say, we don't know. You know, well, that's and that's an honest answer. It is. I mean, yeah. I like that better than, uh, you know, pontificating on trying to compare things and making them exact when you know that there is no exact comparison. My favorite one is where you yeah. get these uh, people that are sort of these, you know, self-proclaimed economists mm -hmm. and they'll argue until they're blue in the face that there's no inflation. Right. They're, they're sort of defending like inflation. We're watching the consumer price index and we're watching this and the other thing. You know, I, again, I'm not going to, as soon as you start talking about all this stuff, guys, you meander into politics. And that's the reason that, that you can't really trust uh, most of the information that's being uh, published because it's not real factual information. You know, it's not like you're going to go and you're going to look at this is the, you know, you're going to enter in. This is what's happening with these variables and what's the output. Because what's happening is the government's always going to basically change the variables in order to essentially support whatever economic thesis that they have. And, and that's the thing that's fascinating. The differing approaches to money, the monetary theory, basically, they're all, they're not something that are set in stone. These are just theories. So differing people will have different, differing economists and different governments will have different approaches to money printing, for example, to interest rates, for example. In other words, they're all guessing too. But it's all theory. It is all theory. theory. It's right. not like, you know, the oxygen is made out of this. That's a fact, right? Yeah. 
it's theory, it's conjecture, it's based on what their beliefs are, and their beliefs are based on their experience and their expertise and everything else. So Th that's the reason you know, that we're suggesting that you guys you focus in on what you can control. And there's only a few things you can control in your life. You can control your environment, you can control your weight, and you can control your fancies. Those are really the three primary things that you actually can control. And your positive mental attitude. Right. Exactly. Well, come, when controlling those three things, you're you going to have a good PMA, right. right? So here's the thought: What do you do with all of this, right? So you can think about it, you can pontificate. You can study it. But the best thing you can do, assuming you have a real estate license, is call everyone you know, whether that's expires. There's expires that were aspirational pricing. Heck yeah. People in your database, people in your center of influence, people in your professional center of influence. And why not just offer them a free comparative market analysis to just see what their house might be worth in today's market? So I was doing, and this was for eXp, mm -hmm. I was doing a, um, I was a mastermind boot camp basically. Mm -hmm. And there were like 63, 64 people that were in this session. And everyone wanted to, they all wanted to talk about doing the work. None of them wanted to do mm -hmm. the work. Yeah. And, and you know, they all want to talk about their mindset and their scheduling and their goal setting and their big why and all that stuff. And I just had, it, it, we're way past that. Okay, yeah. right now, if you're thinking that that's what you should be focusing your energies on, you need to work on those things while you're actually doing the work, not prior to doing the work, saying you're going to do the real work, work once you work on your mindset. You'll that, find your mindset will change when you do the actual work. So here's what I did, and this was a big shared Zoom. I had everybody start essentially proactively lead generating right there on the Zoom. Everyone was looking at each other. Everyone was proactively lead generating. And as soon as they basically set an appointment, as soon as they had a successful experience from that, then basically everyone would celebrate with them. So there were between 60 and 70 people that were all proactively lead generating simultaneously well some of them had their cameras off if I'm being honest with you so <laughs> I couldn't have actually tracked those people but probably half of them were taking it seriously I was watching them we were watching each other and most of them were doing proactively generation for the first time and then some of them one would say I, I got an appointment I have somebody that actually wants to you know this that or the other see this is what it takes like in this marketplace back in about that after what five to ten minutes it took Right. Well, it was, the it was the pressure basically of being sure. on this Zoom and knowing that I was going to call them out if I just saw their twiddling sure. their thumbs. But they all know what to do. They just weren't doing it. it well, Isn't that interesting? It, it completely. They needed yeah. the external pressure. Sure. But the problem, guys, is, and that's what coaching is. And the problem is right now, if you're not uh, allowing yourself to feel that external pressure voluntarily, you're going to eventually feel it involuntarily in the form of basically not having enough money or not having enough financial security, or when something happens, it's another black swan that you're not prepared for. Then you're going to be basically motivated uh, because you be, you have to at that point, or you're going to lose what you already have. That's not the smart approach to life at all. The smart approach to life is absolutely doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do at the highest level at all times, not just when you have to. And I, that's the, that's the big line. bugaboo with most of humanity. And again, be a contrarian. I know most of you have lived these lives of only doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, only when you have to, which means you rarely ever do it except when your back is against the wall. What if you actually started setting aside an hour or two every single day where you did the real work of real estate consistently? Because here's how you're going to feel. This is what would be the output. Yes, it's going to you know require work. Yes, it's going to require some discomfort. Yes, all those things are true. But you're also going to have an amazingly powerful sense of control and you will be you'll find yourself immune to the interest rates immune to the economy immune to politics you will not care because you know voluntarily every single day you then can basically proactively lead generate and you can essentially create your own atm money machine right there off your phone that's what we want you to experience 
Otherwise, you're going to be beholden to people who do not have your best interest in mind, selling you leads, selling you social networking, trying to get you to do TikTok videos, hoping that one day and somehow your magical brand is going to make people beat their way to your doorstep. It doesn't work like no. that. That's a lie. You have to learn how to do the real work of real estate. That's what Julie and I do. If you are looking for a great weekend reading book, <laughs> I strongly suggest you listen to or read Harris Rules. You could definitely get through it in a weekend if you listen to it, um, you know, if you put it aside about 10 hours, <laughs> which, yes. which you should. But it's a great, great, powerful uh, roadmap for all of you to follow if you're looking exactly for what you should be doing now, tomorrow, and the rest of your real estate career. Take it seriously. And we're going to pick up where we left off today on Monday. In the meantime, if you guys want to talk to Julia or I about joining our EXP group and being partners with us at EXP and our EXP Libertas uh, Revenue Share group, please feel free to text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. In the meantime, have a fantastic day and we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.